Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Groot. Groot? Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, because peek behind the curtains, listeners. This is a re-record. Yeah, <gasps> just the intro. Because, okay, the word is spelled G-R-U-I-T. So it looks like it should rhyme with fruit. And I have heard humans call it Groot. And a lot of the time, the articles written about it in These Are Modern Times reference, like, I am Groot. But yes. I think that the more technical, scholarly pronunciation for it is Gruet. Yes, and you discovered this after <laughs> the recording was done, wrapped up, you know, nice little bow, wipe your hands of it, and here we are. Um, I blame Marvel, actually. <laughs> I want to say uh, that's... I squarely pin the blame for this on Marvel because how are we supposed to resist all the Groot jokes? 
I think that's ridiculous to ask of us. I agree. And I love Groot. I love that we live in a timeline where James Gunn made a movie about Rocket and Groot, and it's very popular. Like, that is wild to me. I'm like looking at like Tromeo and Juliet and going like, that guy? You hired that guy? I love him, but what, Marvel? <laughs> and then Rocket Raccoon and... Okay, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, so, so I agree. It's Marvel's fault. Totally willing to place the blame on them. Excellent. I'm glad we're on the same page here. <laughs> so uh, just know that uh, we did... <laughs> this is one of those episodes where the pronunciation is going to shift um, based on who and when the episode, who is talking, when in the episode you're listening. But at least we're aware and now you are aware. Yeah. Learning process. And speaking of, um, when you suggested this, so, so when you <laughs> listeners write in, um, I and Lauren, we have this like big suggestion, very messy suggestions uh, box. It's a single, it's two boxes in an Excel sheet that's just gotten out of hand. Um, so somebody suggested this a while back and I had put it in to the spreadsheet and I was like, Lauren, what, what topics are we going to do? And uh, she responded, Groot. And I was like, immediately, what is Groot? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you said, you're the one that put it on the sheet. <laughs> Oh, come to find out it's a beer. It's a type of ale. <laughs> or or a type of uh, herbal blend that can be used to make beers and ales. Uh, but uh, so I guess drink responsibly. Yes, as always with these episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I do want to put in here that because you're, you're missing the existential crisis I had oh. um, in our previous introduction to this. Because when I ask the question, what is Groot? It feels deep. It feels like an existential question. And it reminded me of a time a couple years back that I couldn't prove my existence to a bank. Oh, right, and, right. And uh, she looked at me and she was laughing. And she was like, are you sure you exist? <laughs> and I, I went like completely still and kind of looked in the distance like, <gasps> do I exist? <laughs> She's just trying to make small talk. Yeah, you're not <laughs> expecting a banking operator to, uh, right? to like put you into this kind of personal crisis. Yes, but I still think about it every now and then. In the back of my brain, it niggles. Yeah, do I exist? <laughs> like, am I Groot? Are, Are we, we all, all Groot? <gasps> Damn well. it, Marvel! <laughs> Damn it, Marvel! <laughs> uh, International Gruit Day is February 1st. So we missed that one. Solidly. <laughs> solidly missed it. I don't think we could have missed it. We're like right at the point <laughs> of not having been able to miss it more. <laughs> That's almost impressive. I think we should, you know, give a, a pat on the back. We might have messed up the pronunciation, but we really, really messed up <laughs> getting the International <laughs> Gruit Day. <laughs> um, and you can see our past beer episodes. We've done sour beers. We did one specifically on Asheville Brewing, that whole scene. Um, IPAs, stouts and porters, Guinness specifically. 
Martzen or Mertzen, which also has a fun pronunciation that we never really nailed down. Yep. I think that's it, but it's possible there are more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've we've talked about alcohol a number of times. Yes, this is true. And related things, related topics. Oh, absolutely. But I suppose this brings us to our question. Groot or Groot? What is it? Well, uh, Groot, spelled most often uh, G-R-U-I-T, is a blend of herbs and or other plants used in beer brewing for flavor and microbe control instead of hops. And the word can also refer to the beers created uh, with these herb blends, or some people would call those a Groot beer or Groot ale or or what have you. Um, These blends used have historically and modernly varied. Um, They're often bitter or bitter-ish, but a Groot will lend more herbal or vegetal or earthy or medicinal flavors to the resulting beers than hops will. Um, Hops being uh, flowers that tend more toward the the floral and citrus flavors on top of bitterness, less of the herbal vegetal stuff in there. Three ingredients I've seen talked about most often historically in Groot were yarrow, sweet gale or bog myrtle, um, and wild or marsh rosemary. Uh, Yertle flowers apparently taste sort of like chamomile. The leaves are sort of like lemon balm. Uh, Bog myrtle is apparently kind of resinous and sweet, and wild rosemary is apparently like bay leaf, kind of heady and and herbal. But, oh gosh, um, in doing this reading, I saw any number of plants, just plants that can be put in here. (laughs) Uh, herbs, spices, whatever you want. Uh, uh, cinnamon, nutmeg, caraway seed, wormwood, lavender, nettle, lemon balm, sage, fennel seed, dandelion, carrot tops, clover, ginger, orange peels, lemon peels, honey, hyssop, spruce twigs, elderberries, bay leaves, anise, basil, juniper, rose hips. That's not a complete list. <laughs> this feels like you're making a potion, and I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Brewing is totally like making a potion. Yes. And, and I mean, just some of these ingredients sound so like, mystical to me just because I haven't encountered oh, them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't encountered a lot of these outside of um, outside of perfumes. So so mm. the concept is really interesting to me. Um, and I really, oh, I really want to try like 19 different kinds of Groot now. Um, and because, yes. right, the resulting drinks can, can vary widely in terms of uh, flavor and color and alcohol content. Uh, it can be really, really uh, specifically developed by the brewer. Yes. Kind of a hard category to pin down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. And speaking of, what about the nutrition? Drink responsibly. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> That's all. Um, we, it's hard to find numbers on this one, but I guess we got one. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so although Groot is an ancient style of beer, it is making a modern comeback um, as brewers explore some of beer's roots. Uh, pun pun intended in terms of putting roots in beer. Yeah. Um, on <laughs> beeradvocate.com, there are 325 examples of Groot style beers from various breweries. Listeners, if you know one we've got to try, let us know because I'm very, very keen on trying some. Yeah. Mm hmm. 
Yes. Um, and we do have some history for you. Oh my gosh, we do. Um, yes. But but first, uh, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us to crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off, no dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian Cocktail Maker? It's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all-natural bitters, so Dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So, for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. 
you know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, beer is old. Um, (laughs) At least thousands and thousands of years old. Like 9,000 years or more. Like, we invented alcoholic beverages before we invented the wheel. So. Yes. I mean, not us personally, but humans. Of course. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And to make beer, people generally used whatever they had on hand, um, the ingredients available to them wherever they were. Early humans recognized that in order to drink this alcoholic beverage they loved on the regular, they couldn't do the sweet root. Like, that was too much. Um, They needed bitter flavors. Mm Mm-hmm. Prior to the discovery of hops, um, and particularly its use in beer in this case, all kinds of ingredients were used. Like, yes, yarrow and bog myrtle, which were, I had to look up what all of these things were, but herbs and shrubs, um, were popular in the early days. People used all kinds of things, like dandelions, broom, which is an herb, rosemary, sage, wormwood, nettles, laurel berries, laserwort, poppy, ground ivy, wild carrot seeds, heather, and so much more. And essentially, they were making group beers, what we would think of now as groots. Several specific styles coalesced based on ingredients available by region. Ancient Egyptians used things like meadowsweet, olive oil, dates, and wild herbs, for example. Uh, These groot ales were most likely sweeter than what we might think of today and with a lower alcohol content. Um, And people typically drank them soon after brewing. Uh, Yeah, yeah, these were a a fresh ale type uh, or beer type. Um, However, uh, there were likely, in addition to that sweetness, um, some sourish notes in there. um, Because um, until the 1800s, when Louis Pasteur studied yeast fermentation and developed pasteurization, um, uh, beers were made with wild yeasts and bacteria that could add any number of tart or funky flavors. And see our sour beer episode for more on that. And some of the archaeological evidence of ingredients used in these beers came from fossilized poop found at the bottom of a latrine. That's great. It is so great. So great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The first known mention of Groot in the written record occurred sometime during the 900s to 1000 CE in the description of a gift from Emperor Otto III to the St. Martinus Church. Um, Okay, and it's sort of confusing, though, because it seems that in this context, they may have been referring to a specific ingredient they called Groot that was key in making Groot beers. Uh, And Lauren and I were discussing this before. There's an excellent paper that really deep-dived into the history of Groots. Uh, Called, in fact, The Rise and Fall of Groot. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it was so well done. Uh, and it particularly examined a lot of this confusion, but there's so much discussion about taxes, which we're going to get into. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I My poor brain was like, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, the sale and distribution of this ingredient was called Grootrecht. Um, and it basically, uh, this gave those in power the right to dictate who could sell Groot and who could brew this beer. With the growth of organized towns and cities, 
brewers became specialized. Yeah, uh, this all developed from how beer was being brewed. Originally, it was mostly made by women on their family property. But yeah, eventually it became more common for brewers to operate out of a uh, common community bakery slash brewery. And then brewers' guilds began forming. And this was all happening alongside monasteries, more formalized brewing programs around the same time. And basically, from what I understand, the nobility saw these like increasingly non-domestic brewing efforts and were like, y'all, we could be taxing this. Mm-hmm. Um, or possibly brewing became increasingly non-domestic because of the expense of paying for Grootrecht. So, <laughs> so I, so it's a chicken or egg. Is it, is right. it the, yeah. Yeah. Taxes or brewers guilds, which came first. I don't know. Because, right, like someone or a group of someones who had Grootrecht for a particular area basically had a monopoly on Groot sales and Groot beer making in that area. Yes. <laughs> um, it's complicated, complicated. Uh, rural areas restricted by the Grootrecht could get beer shipped from the nearest town. And what areas were technically covered by any given decree? Uh, was the source of apparently a lot of controversy. Like, like because some rural areas would be like, no, we're closer to this town. And some towns mm-hmm. would be like, oh, no, you're closer to us. And so you don't get your own. You have to buy our beer. Um, like, enough controversy that it was sometimes called uh, Beer Krieg. Like, the Beer Wars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stuff about taxes. I <laughs> Right. <laughs> yep. Didn't think this is what we were going to be learning about, but here we are. Uh-huh. Um, and the original intent wasn't to mess with beer trade, but when city governments got involved, it turned into an excise tax and one that went on to bring a lot of revenue for cities and towns. Eventually, members of royalty could instate Grootrecht in townships that uh, had never had one, making it a royal right and yes, apparently an interesting piece of medieval tax law, but I really could not wrap my head around it. <laughs> I think that's okay. I don't understand modern tax law. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Um, Grootrecht could also be leased or sold. And as time went on, Grootrecht became an excise tax on wine and beer at large. In the 13th century, specific buildings that could brew and sell Groot were called Groothuisen um, or Huisen. I'm not sure. Not sure. Um, <laughs> this is also when Groot cooked in large copper kettles became fairly common. Apparently, a tax came out of that as well. Um, like kettle Groot tax. <laughs> okay, sure. Yes. Um, medieval medical records from this period indicate that a woman fell into a pot of boiling Groot and died soon after. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, and yes, word confusion. Throughout history, the word Groot has been used both for a beer and an unspecified, probably shifting, ingredient or ingredients, perhaps like a spice blend. Mm-hmm. Um, the ingredient or ingredients called Groot, that was the impetus for Groot Rect, is unclear, but they must have thought it was necessary for beer brewing at the time. Or one theory is that it actually referred to duckweed, something brewers had to have removed to brew. So it was like a tax to get that removed. Huh. 
Um, in the 14th century, the word groot often referred to concentrated malt. <sighs> yeah. So lots of word confusion on this one. Um, interesting tidbit, also in the 14th century, the Dutch briefly believed that hopped beer made men fat and that ales were unmanly only for ladies. This belief didn't last long, though. Oh, goodness. I, I, would, like, I would like to argue with you slightly uh, because this was, and like Loki is, still a belief. Um, there are all kinds of folk medicine bits of lore about hops um, because hops were used in traditional medicines as a sedative and apparently at one point thought to be a rare anti-aphrodisiac. <gasps> and specifically, fat development in men has been said to be in the chest called brewer's droop. Um, and modernly, we do know that hops contain uh, phytoestrogens, which are these compounds that are similar to the human hormone estrogen, but which we don't really have like definitive research into the workings of in the human body, other than to say that like as long as you're consuming uh, a moderate amount, you're you're gonna be fine. Um, see our our tofu episode for more on that. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to put in here that, like, drinking enough of any kind of beer could result in fat development and that the human chest is one of the areas where fat develops. So I feel like blaming it on the hops specifically is Mm. rather missing the point of the glass of carbs that you're consuming. (laughs) It's the hops. Um, uh, maybe, maybe the, the specifics that you were talking about was restricted to this, like, relatively, but myths about it still, yes, are still out there. For sure. Um, again, this was, you never know where the research will take you. <laughs> this was interspersed <laughs> in the tax paper about Groot beer. And I'm like, wait, what are, what are we talking about now? Okay. <laughs> Okay, and now you listeners get to go on the ride with us as well. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. At one time, Groot was the go-to ale in medieval Europe. Recipes were often held by church or civil officials, and some places even had Groot masters. And in locales with specific Groot blends, the uh, Groot Rect restricted what ingredients could go into Groot beers sold there, um, which sometimes meant the specific exclusion of this up-and-comer, hops. Right. This changed in 1516 with a German beer purity law called Reinheitsgebot, uh, and that was enacted that year, declaring the only ingredients allowed in beer were barley, hops, and water. Yeast had yet to be fully understood when it came to brewing, though it would get added into this definition a few centuries later, and this prohibited many ingredients that were key in Groot. In most places, uh, there is at least one case study of, uh, of Cologne where the existing Groot laws were so strong that it delayed the introduction of hops into the local beers for like a hundred years. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Taxes! Love Taxes! it! Taxes! <laughs> uh, and yeah, separate episode, but briefly, humanity's knowledge of hops when it comes to beer brewing goes back about a thousand years, while beer brewing itself, yes, much older. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and yet, these days, in more places than Germany, a beer must contain hops to qualify as a beer if there's like a definition, as we just discussed in place. Um, Germany began exporting hops for brewing in the 13th century. 
The fact that they elongated the shelf life of beer was one of the reasons brewers were eager to use hops. Groot brewers and lovers lamented on the damage that hops did to Groot. Here's a quote from the time. Hopped beer, which one usually drinks in our country, has diminished and damaged our Groot so much. Oh. Oh. One of the reasons behind this law? Puritans! Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Some of the ingredients in Groot were believed to be aphrodisiacs. Yep. And also highly intoxicating. A few of the herbs were that were used may have been chosen specifically for that reason, which were big no-gos in the books of Puritans. Mm-hmm. And yes, also taxes. Um, <laughs> this pretty much killed the commercial Groot industry. By the 18th century, beer made with hops was the norm, and pretty much everything else went by the wayside. More religious stuff. The Catholic Church held a monopoly over the brewing of Groot in Europe until the 16th century. I mean, along with with pockets of officials and things, but Mm -hmm. uh, they were pretty highly involved. Where hops, the church widely regarded hops as an invasive species. Not only that, uh, in the words of Wall Street Journal beer critic and author of A Brewer's Tale, The History of the World According to Beer, William Boswick, quote, one reason was that the 12th century German mystic and abbess Hildegard had pronounced that hops were not very good for you because they make the soul of a man sad and weigh down his inner organs. So if you were, so if you were a Protestant brewer and wanted to thumb your nose at Catholicism, you used hops instead of herbs. Huh. Yeah. And Martin Luther was a big part of this. He was a big fan of beer and wine. He believed it helped with his constipation and difficulty sleeping. Okay. Yes. In some cities, group beer production was reinstated after being halted in the 15 and 1600s after pregnant women and monks protested, claiming it was a medicinally useful product. In fact, one of the first known printed recipes for group beer was printed in a medical text in 1511. It was widely believed that there were many health benefits associated with drinking Groot. Huh. Yeah. Huh, indeed. Skipping way ahead. Um, (laughs) In the 1990s, with craft beer revival in places like the U.S. and U.K., microbreweries started reviving Groot Ales. From a Guardian article written by Mark Dredge in 2010, molecular archaeology has made it possible to reconstruct ancient brews and ingredients like yarrow and bog myrtle are making a comeback. Beer may never be the same again. Ellipses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so like I said, I I really want to get my hands on some. I'm excited that people are experimenting with it. Yeah. Oh, always, always. I mean, after after I mean, I I'm a, I'm a big fan of sour beers and uh I am so pleased that the explosion of those has occurred. Um and yes. so I want this to explode as well so that I can I just want to drink stuff that tastes weird and challenges my palate and does not go with any of the food I'm eating. That's that's all I want to do. <laughs> that's all she wants, world. Why can't it happen? <laughs> I think I'm hoping we'll get there. If if we can get some, we should definitely our next D&D session. That feels like a good D&D drink. Ooh, yeah, that seems very thematic, right? It does. For our vaguely Star Wars related <laughs> D&D campaign. Very vague. Not obvious at all. No. (laughs) Certainly not. (laughs) 
if you you all understand the subtlety with which Annie works, then I'm sure you can imagine. (laughs) Subtle is my middle name. (laughs) As I come in a shirt, a Star Wars shirt specific to the session that we're doing. Uh huh. Uh huh. She named a character Shenanigans, y'all. <laughs> That's a thing that happened. Shenanigans, uh, and also Snowby One, who lives. Oh, so this... how how could I forget? How could you forget Snowby One, who lives in a snowy mountain? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can only hope that is a happy face palm. That <laughs> Uh, it's it's for sure a groaner. However, I mean, I was the one who went out of my way to make my character ask the name of the, those characters so that I could hear whatever puns you succeeded you come up. You succeeded because shenanigan was not necessarily going to come up, but <laughs> he did. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, <laughs> that is what we have to say about Groot for now. It is, uh, and we do have some listener mail for you. We do, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM, let's create. Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day, but let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. 
Picking something up on the way is for Father's Day. Well, let's make Father's Day something this year with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. It whips up over 60 premium cocktails on demand, each ready at the push of a button. And right now, you get $50 off the Bartesian Cocktail Maker when you buy one pack of Dad's favorite cocktail capsules. Dad will publicly love that you saved 50 on the countertop machine that crafts premium cocktails on demand. And he'll secretly love that you splurged on him for Father's Day with the gift of a Bartesian. Because the only thing that lets Dad know he's the world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... That one, that one went quickly. I was like, how does... I am Groot? Oh, oh, oh I see you. Okay. And I was doing the... Yeah, you know, the, the, the wavy. Gesture, the wavy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how you couldn't pick up on what I was oh. thinking, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> it's that subtlety. That's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Joe wrote, I'm Filipino, and I just had to share the adobo episode with my family. Aww. Their version uses chicken drumsticks and thighs, soy sauce and vinegar, and is usually on the stewy side. Sometimes we'll even put potatoes in it. But that isn't the adobo I wanted to tell you about. This version is called adobo asin, salted adobo. Here's the adobo asin recipe. Please note that my dad is very much part of the I don't measure school of cooking. (laughs) So much of this is done to taste. Buy a good fatty hunk of pork butt and cut it into two-inch chunks. Place them in a pot and just barely cover the pieces with water. Salt the water. Dad says it should probably be as salty as the sea and bring it to a boil. Once it's boiling, taste the broth to see if the salt level is to your liking. The more salt, the better it will preserve. While the pork is boiling, prepare your garlic. Remove the skins from however many garlic cloves you like. Dad usually goes with a head of garlic at minimum. Check to see if the pork is finished. He pinches it between his fingers to see if it's soft but not falling apart. Once it reaches that state, remove most of the remaining water and let the fat render out and begin to fry the pork, only adding more oil if necessary. Add the garlic when the pork turns light gold and continue stirring and frying until the garlic cloves are crispy and the pork is dark brown and crispy as well. 
served with lots of rice and pickled vegetables on the side. My dad claims adobo asin is most likely local to my family's home province of Bicol, since he's never seen it prepared by non-Bicolanos. According to my great-grandmother, this method of cooking was critical during World War II. When a hog was butchered, they could cook the choice fatty parts of the pig this way, and it would preserve for months, even at room temperature, thanks to the fat and the salt. If they had to move around, it traveled well in the clay pot it was cooked in. Again, no refrigeration required, and all you'd have to do is cook some rice and reheat only what was needed. For those screaming about the amounts of fat and salt in this recipe— First of all, it's all in the name of preservation. And second, it's offset by all the garlic. Garlic's good for the heart, right? (laughs) (laughs) Also keeps the vampires away. Right? Both important things. Yes. Uh, Again, I've been loving all these recipes. I've been trying them. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to send these to us. Yes. We really appreciate getting them. So much. Oh, Mm -hmm. heck. Uh, A fellow Lauren wrote... I have been listening for quite a while now, but this is my first time writing in. Recently, my mom and I went to all the local Mexican supermarkets in our town in Wisconsin. I had recently listened to the boba tea episode, and while we were browsing the stores, I saw these cans of bubble tea. I audibly gasped and said, Mom, I need to send this to Annie and Lauren. Uh, We're name twins, by the way. She then said, Who? I've told her (laughs) countless amounts of very important facts that I've learned from the show, and yet she never can remember the name of the show or the hosts. Alas, the trials of motherhood. Anyway, I don't have much experience with boba tea as I have an odd fear of choking on the boba balls. However, the concept of boba tea in a can seemed like something you guys would be interested or horrified to see. Something about it seems wrong, but maybe it's just me. Interesting. Uh, I will say when I was in China, uh, there there was a lot of canned teas. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there was one I loved, and I've been trying to find it here. I know it must exist. It must be Hmm. available for me to get, but I don't know the name of it. I just know it was in this, like, red ridged can with yellow writing. And I think I've seen it around. Um, Now, bubble tea, yes, is slightly different. Right, yeah, because I feel like the the tapioca would just, like, kind of, like, continue increasing in size until it's just a can of (laughs) tapioca. You open it up and... It's like yeah. the snakes in a jar break. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> uh, but no, that is fascinating. I'd I try would, it, sure. Yeah, I'd be willing to try it. I'd be willing to try it. I have some concerns, but open open to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, thanks to both of those listeners so much for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. 
Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.